106 in your hymn books. Page 106, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. 106 as we get started this morning. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, Hail the Son of Righteousness, Light and life to all He brings, Risen with the healing wings. Mild He lays His glory by, Born that man no more may die, Born to raise the sons of earth, Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Amen. Now let's turn to page 117. 117, O little town of Bethlehem. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shine the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. To sleep the angels keep their watch of wondering love. Oh, morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human heart the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming. 
But in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and ask for your blessings upon this service. Lord, we thank you for this special time of year when it seems like most everyone is willing to at least stop and think about the greatest gift that was ever given to man. That is God in the flesh, God dwelling among us. Lord, we're thankful that that gift is not meant just to be remembered at Christmas time, but every day, every hour, every moment of the year. We ask that you would help us to learn to live in that truth today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, let's turn to 123. Every once in a while I do this to Brother Franz and I pick a song he doesn't know. And so 123, this is a fun song. We did this Thursday night to kind of practice. So get with it It'll be real slow until we get to that middle line. Then you got to really get... Uh, fast, and then we'll slow down again at the very end. Okay, here we go. Come all ye shepherds, ye children of earth. Come ye bring greetings to yon heavenly birth. For Christ the Lord unto us is given, whom God for Savior sent down from heaven. Fear not ye him. Are you ready for the second? Here we go. Haste and then haste and to Bethlehem stall. There to see heaven descend to us all. With holy feeling there, humbly kneeling, we will adore him, bow down before him. Worship the King. Angels and shepherds together we go. Seeking this Savior from all earthly woe. While angels winging his praises singing. Hands echo ringing peace on earth bringing. Good will to man. I love that song, Brother Franz. And I love the next one, 801, because I know this one. 801, How Great Thou Art. Amen, 801. Thy hands have made 
see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When through the wood and forest glades I wander, From lofty mountain grandeur And hear the brook And feel the gentle breeze Then sings my soul My Savior God to thee How great thou art How great thou art Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, Isn't he great? Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Amen. At this time, all the children 11 and under will be dismissed to our junior church. And let's sing that last verse. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation And take me home, what joy shall fill my heart Then I shall in humble adoration And there proclaim, my God, how great thou then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art.
how great thou art. So let me hear you now. My soul, Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, how great thou art. Amen, and you can be seated. Amen, and we serve a great God, and just before the message this morning, we have a special treat, a violin duet, and uh, the song is, What Child Is This? And think of the words, how God, the creator God of the world, came down, took on human flesh, and just listen to the music this morning and let it prepare your heart for the message.
Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 1. And if you want to stick a finger in Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. And um, the messages have been kind of coming in sets of three here of late. I'm not quite sure why, but... uh, What I want to do for the next three Sunday mornings, it's hard to believe, the last three Sunday mornings of the year 2006, uh, we've got this Sunday, next Sunday, which is Christmas Sunday, and then the following Sunday, which is New Year's Eve, and uh, we will be beginning another year. It's hard to believe. And... uh, at Christmas time, sometimes you, you just look and you say, well, I've been preaching on Christmas for the last 14 years right here. And you wonder, uh, what are you going to present? And I want us to look at much of it is, is uh, some of the facts. I mean, we can't change those. Those are going to be the same. And we don't want to just skip over them or, or make them insignificant, but Uh, What I want us to do the next three Sunday mornings by God's grace is look at this story, uh, the Christmas story, the facts, the events that unfolded with the birth of Jesus Christ with one word in mind. And that word is the word worship. Now, we call Sunday morning our worship service and, and we've tried to spend... Uh, some time here on Sunday mornings reminding ourselves and going through and studying uh, this thing called worship. And as you look at these facts, I I think here we're going to find a a complete and, and nearly exhaustive study of what worship truly is and what God wants from us. Uh, God wants us to worship Him. There's a reason why. Number one, He's God. Amen. He wants us to recognize who He is. Another part of worship, in order to worship properly, we've got to understand who God is. And secondly, we've got to understand who we are. Uh, We have gotten much too common in our approach to God. Uh, and we'll, we'll be looking at that this morning. But I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. And in our Bible study of Hebrews, we've started uh, way back. We're on our 27th or 28th lesson in the book of Hebrews. And, and uh, it took us several weeks to just get through chapter 1 here. But I want us to to look at verse 6, and this is God speaking to His Son. Of course, we've got to get verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Once you just skip down to verse 6. 
And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire, but unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And I want to just skip down again to verse 14. Are they not, talking about the angels here, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? Now, one of the great symbols of the Christmas season is the angel. Amen? I mean, they're... You cannot go through the story of what happened when Jesus was born. And and again, uh, let's just make sure we know and understand Jesus was not born on December 25th. Uh, the best guesstimate that we can give, and, and I just read another commentator uh, as I was preparing this message for this morning, said the same thing, probably early to middle October is the best guess of the time of the year that Jesus was actually born. And uh, you say, why do we celebrate it at Christmas uh, in December and all of this? And, and there's lots of answers to that, but the simple truth of the matter is we're not going to change what everybody else does, so let's enjoy it. Amen. Uh, let's have some fun at the Christmas season, but let's get the facts right. Amen. And one of the key elements of this whole thing, I've had people say, well, you know, Pastor, uh, the December celebration has its roots in all of these pagan worship and idol worship and all of this, and we should just forget the whole thing and not celebrate Christmas at all. Well, you know, I don't know anybody who lives in the United States today or really anywhere in the world at this point in time uh, how many of you know what Mithraism is and the Feast of Mithra? Only if you've studied history. Does anybody even know what that means? That, that was the pagan festival that was celebrated about December 25th. Nobody even knows who Mithra was, uh, unless you're an ancient history scholar. Uh, let's take this time, and it says when he brought... His first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God, what? Worship him. Worship was a key part of this entire advent. God had been planning this before the foundation of the world. Before he first said, let there be light, God knew that he himself in the person of God the Son would descend to earth and take upon him human flesh. He would dwell among us as human beings. God has given us much revelation. Amen. We have a whole book called the Bible. I love that song, How Great Thou Art. If you've ever stood on the edge of those mountains that God has made and just looked 
thousands of feet below you and all the panorama. You think, God didn't even get worked up to do that. That was not an effort for him. If you've sat back and looked up into the sky at night and saw the stars and, and the beauty that is there, the pictures of the universe. I mean, how could you get more drama than the different colors of the planets? And uh, You stop and you think about a Jupiter, 200 times the size of Earth, and yet it's all gas. But it stays together. And it does all these incredible things that we don't know about. And, and we, with our puny little minds, sit here and try to figure out when an asteroid is going to hit the earth and destroy the whole thing. Hey, somebody bigger than you made it. Somebody bigger than you is in control. And I read the book, God's Not Sending an Asteroid to Destroy the Earth. Amen? And, and by the way, he didn't send one to destroy the dinosaurs either. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of funny things that people get. But the greatest revelation that God gave us about himself was that he lived among us. He went through this existence we call life. The Bible says he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. This is God's revelation to us. And yet, as he was just moments old, just born a baby. Now, uh, as a baby, he could not walk. He could not feed himself. He could not speak. Can you imagine? The humility that is involved in God confining himself within this robe we call a human body. People have tried to explain how God took his glory and set it aside. Well, if God separated himself from his glory, how could he still be God? God did not change himself to become man. He merely covered it so we could not see it. The night he was betrayed, the soldiers gathered up and they, he said, Whom seek ye? He uttered two words, I am, and they all fell down on the ground. You're going to worship him. Either willingly in this life. Read Philippians chapter 2. His name is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. They're going to take the great and arrogant dictators of this world who thought that they should rule the world and they're going to come in there and they're going to bow the knee before Jesus Christ and confess that he is Lord. Because he is God, amen? But when he was but hours old, let's turn to Luke chapter 2. It was 
told us in Hebrews, he says, and he let all, said all, told the angels, let all the angels of God worship him. And we come here to Hebrews chapter 2. And we'll read verses 6 and 7, and we'll read on through the story of the shepherds. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now this morning, the part of the story that I want us to put our concentration on is the shepherds. Lord willing, next week, We'll put our concentration Christmas Sunday on what transpired in the temple eight days after his birth. And then, Lord willing, Sunday morning, December 31st, we'll spend some time talking about the wise men. These were the three groups that, that worshiped Jesus. And we want to look this morning at the shepherds. There's a prophecy in Micah, chapter 4, verse 8. I'm just going to read it to you this morning. It says, And thou, O tower the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now, the place that is being talked about here, the tower of the flock, was an actual Location, you can find it even to this day. There is a tower. It's about a mile from Bethlehem. It's about halfway from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And it was the place, uh, it was an old citadel. It was a place where the shepherds took care of their sheep. 
It was, uh, the, some people believe that it was the very place when David, as a young boy, cared for his sheep. Later on, they tell us that the temple flocks were tended to there. It was the best place for pasture. It was convenient. It was close to Jerusalem. And if that is so, that the temple flocks were kept there, then it would be no wonder at all as to why the angels came to the shepherds that were here. They were raising the sacrifices. I love that part of the story. Solomon, on the dedication of the temple, took 120,000 sheep and sacrificed them in one day. They tell us that the temple that was there in Jesus' day, in the week of Passover, it was the ceremony that every lamb that was killed for Passover, the blood would be poured out around the base of the altar. And they said that blood would seep down through the paving stones in the temple courtyard and literally run down the side of the mountain on which Jerusalem was built and color the brook Kidron that ran through the valley red with the blood of the lambs that were sacrificed. Those shepherds were the ones that were raising those lambs. You say, Pastor, that, that is really horrible. Why do you, you almost act like you glory in the fact that, that the side of the mountain was coated with the blood of those sacrifices? I want you to understand Every sacrifice offered in that temple and the tabernacle before it was a living illustration of what Jesus Christ would do, was a constant reminder that God hates sin. It was the job of the oldest the firstborn of the family to appear at the temple door. It would In the temple, it would be at the inner court just before you went into the brazen altar and there you would put your hands on that sacrifice. And before it was all over, Part of the killing of the sacrifice was the responsibility of the firstborn of the family. There would be blood upon the hands, not only of the priest, but of the person offering the sacrifice. God wanted to remind us the price of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. In the book of Hebrews on Thursday night, we're going through chapter 7, and right now we're dealing with the different priesthoods, the priesthood of Christ versus the priesthood of Aaron. And the literally, uh, we, we have no idea, but I would dare say the number would be in the millions of animals whose blood was shed and poured out around that altar in the temple of Jerusalem 
over the years from the time that Solomon built it till Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it. And then again, 70 years later, when it was rebuilt, and that second temple stood from about 400 and something A.D. the whole way up until, I mean, B.C., all the way up until the time of Christ. 70 A.D., that temple was destroyed. Every one of those animals was a picture. These shepherds were the ones who were raising the sacrifices. Now, God had given a command, and it's recorded in the book of Hebrews after the fact. It's not prophecy. It is explaining to us what happened. It said when he brought his first begotten into the world, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. Now, the first thing I want to say is worship, true worship, is contagious. It is not meant to be just for yourself. I've heard many people over the year said, Will you come and visit our church? Oh, I worship God in my own way. Angels couldn't do that. When God said, let all the angels of God worship him, what was the first thing they did? They went out and told somebody else, didn't they? God had sent them to these shepherds, to these shepherd priests, to explain to them what was happening. And we're going to take a few moments here this morning, and I'll try not to keep you past one o'clock, all right? A few moments this morning just to look at what happened in the lives of these shepherds The angels were already worshiping Him. I'll tell you, they didn't understand. But see, the angels are always obedient. Sometimes you and I, we got to sit down and figure things out before we're willing to be obedient. We, We could learn something from the angels, amen? If you don't understand something that's written down in the Word of God... Trust God, not yourself. Just do it. Amen. Don't try to figure God out. It's a whole lot easier to let God take care of the things that God wants to do and just be a part of it. Amen. And so as these angels appeared, and I I want you to think about this, these shepherds, are out there, and they didn't have ten sheep. Passover, six months away. There's a lot going on. It could have actually been very close to the time of the Jewish New Year of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, in which... Literally hundreds of thousands of sheep would be sacrificed. I mean, there was all kinds of things going on. They were busy. There weren't two or three shepherds out there. There were probably a hundred shepherds out there. Those flocks were in the tens of thousands because they were raising the sacrifices at the temple. And the numbers of sacrifices... Stymie our imagination as every Jew from all over the world would assemble. There were three times a year. Passover, the Feast of Harvest, 
And then Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement in the Feast of Tabernacles. Every Jewish man that had the ability to be in Jerusalem at the temple was required by the law of God to be there. Whether they traveled five miles or 10,000 miles, they were supposed to be there if it were all possible. And they're there in the middle of the night. Con Ed hadn't been invented yet. No street lights. Could you, have you ever been out away from all of the street lamps and everything and just been in darkness? I mean, it's different. It gets dark in the woods. Remember one time, Andrew's smiling here. He reminded me of a story. He was about all six or seven years old, maybe not quite that old. And, and uh, we were at my uh, mom's house in central Pennsylvania. And, and uh, I said, let's go for a walk in the woods. I'll take you back where daddy used to play when he was a little boy. And we got uh, going down that little dirt road into the woods. And he starts looking up and he says, daddy, it's dark outside. Uh, we're not going to find our way home. I said, son, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. It's not dark outside. It's just the trees are so thick you can't see the sun. Later, I took them. We were visiting a church there, and I took them down a windy little road, no farms, no nothing. I mean, it was out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I mean, the definition, it was, it's between Lejos and Pumpkin Ridge, all right? And uh, turned off the headlights. There was no moon that night. You can't imagine how dark it is. Now, you and I, we're used to lights of all kinds, lights of planes passing over, lights of, of uh, the, uh, just all kinds of different things going on. Someone says, have you ever seen UFOs? Oh, all the time. I don't know what they are, so they're unidentified. Isn't that correct? I, I mean, I know it's a plane up there, but I don't know what kind it is, and I don't know where it is. And uh, so, so, I mean, that's, that's as far as UFOs as I go. Amen? But all of a sudden, this man drops out of the sky whose brightness is as the sun. It says the glory of God. It says the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The glory of the Lord, Paul saw it on the road to Damascus. It was brighter than the noonday sun. Imagine how blindingly bright that would be in the middle of the night when all around you is dark and your eyes are accustomed to the darkness. I mean, it, it would be brighter than anything that you and I understand today. The first response of the shepherds was fear. You know what Solomon said? The fear of the Lord is the beginning is the beginning 
believe it's of wisdom. Beginning. We cannot worship God until we understand who He is. And the first response when you grasp whom God truly is will be fear, my friend. You say, but God is love. Yes, He is. But if you could understand His power and His greatness, we would be afraid. When Jesus stood up on that boat in the Sea of Galilee and said, Peace be still, and it was peace and still, the disciples were greatly afraid, weren't they? They saw just the power of His spoken word. And here was a little baby that had just been born, hours old, wrapped in rags because pampers had yet to be invented. And yet, God... The Son, taking upon Him human flesh. We need to pray. If you want to understand what it is to worship God, we need to pray that God will teach us a little more about what it means to fear the Lord. Amen. How great He is. How powerful He is. The fact that He spoke and everything that now is out of nothing became. When the unclean touched Jesus, they had no choice but to become clean. The leprosy had to leave because of His power and His greatness. We ought to fear our own sinfulness and our own inability. When we stand before a holy God. Amen. We ought to realize. I mean when I think of great power. I mean the closest thing I can come to. That I've ever personally experienced. In dealing with great power. Is opening that big switch box in the basement. 400 amps. Of three phase power. It's enough to cook you before your body has a chance to hit the floor. Literally. All you have to do is touch the wrong thing. And you are history. There ought to be a little fear when you open that door every time. And I'll tell you what. I've learned. Not by experience. Because had I experienced it, I wouldn't be here. But I had an electrician teach me. He said, every once in a while, you've got to do a little maintenance in here. You've got to check a few things and let me show you how to do that. And these angels said, listen, I've got a message from God and the glory of the Lord shone round about. And we say, okay, what's next? That's not fear, my friend. That's not understanding what is going on. And the first step in worship is to fear and understand the greatness of God. The fact that He's willing to talk to me and, and reveal Himself to us as sinful human beings ought to put fear and reverence in our heart for Him. 
The second thing, they got over the fear as the angels ascended back into heaven. Somebody said, how many angels were there? It says, a multitude of the heavenly hosts. The book of Hebrews said, let all the angels of God worship Him. I bet they all were there, don't you? That's what the Bible says. I believe they were all there. Could you imagine how many tens of thousands of angels were there? And yet one angel went through the land of Egypt and every firstborn was dead in one night. One angel went through the camp of the Assyrians and 185,000 corpses filled the tents the next morning instead of soldiers. I'll bet the sound was deafening, don't you think? You know what those angels were doing? They were worshiping the God. They were going glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They were worshiping God. It brought fear to the hearts of the shepherds. But as soon as the angels were gone away from them, the next part of worship, the next step comes. It is excitement and curiosity. I want to be a part of that. I want to experience that for myself. Our worship of God is to be experiential, if you like big words. It is to be lived. It is to be participated in, not just by the preacher, not by just some special speaker or the missionaries, but every person that walks through these doors. What we're here to do today is have a worship service. I cannot worship God by myself. Worship is contagious. Worship is a group exercise. As the body of Christ, which the local church is, we are assembled together and we have chosen this time as a church to make this our main worship experience of God. That's why every sermon on Sunday morning I tried to have something to do in the message. Thursday night is is primarily a teaching time where we're going through and building the blocks of faith in the life. Sunday night is a time to pray, is a time to work that salvation out and bring our, our burdens and our cares to God in prayer. It wasn't enough for the shepherds just to hear about it. You see, they were given a sign. They said, you go to Bethlehem and you'll see the Savior of the world. Now, guess what? You and I, we don't need to go to Bethlehem today to see the Savior of the world. There are those that believe that they have the very place where Jesus was born marked out and they've built this huge edifice. A few years ago, there were gunmen hiding in the in the church of the Holy Sepulchre, and they were shooting at people and trying to kill people and all of this stuff, hoping that the Israeli defense forces would blow up the church so that they would be able to give Israel a black eye. You say, what did God think of all that? 
nothing. Because you can't go to the church of the Holy Sepulchre and see Jesus. I'm sorry, not the Holy Sepulchre, the Holy Manger or whatever it is. Manger Square is what it's called. God doesn't care about those things. If you're going to see the Savior today, it is going to be how? Through faith. Amen. The same way the shepherds saw him, they didn't have a Bible holding in their hand that they could read. Let's go to Bethlehem. The, he, God had to send the angels to tell them. But He's given us a book right here that we can hold in our hands and it tells us all we need to do to see the Christ is confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God hath raised Him from the dead. It says, And thou shalt be saved. Amen. Are you saved today? You cannot worship the Savior until you're saved. Until you know Him. Until you've experienced His forgiveness that was purchased on Calvary's cross. What happened next? It says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, verse 17... They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. May I quote to you Acts chapter 1-8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be what? Witnesses unto me in all the world, from Jerusalem to Samaria and Judea unto the uttermost part of the world. Real worship. Number one, fear. Number two, you got to get involved. Number three, you're going to tell everybody, amen. Number four, we come down here to verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen as it was told unto them. Two things about this. Number one, who was the theme of everything the shepherd said? God. It wasn't their church. It wasn't their experience. It wasn't them They were praising and glorifying God. And what were they praising and glorifying God for? His Word. The angels gave them God's Word. Amen. They didn't have it written down. We have it written down. Our worship will be in response to what is written down in this book called the Bible. That's what worship is all about. You don't have to feel goose pimples to worship. Do you know what I mean by that? Have your hair stand up on end. Whoo! I must have worshipped God today. Let me tell you, there's a lot of ways you can get woo. Amen? Stick your finger in a light socket. You'll get all kinds of feelings. That's not worship. Worship is taking the words of this book and living them. 
and allowing God to make you joyful about that very thing. That's what it says in 1 John 5, 3. It says, and this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are what? Not grievous. That's where worship comes in. That's what the shepherds... They were excited to get to Bethlehem. They wanted to see this thing. Now, I don't think that they broke in on Mary and Joseph and filled that little stable and all stood there. I don't know what it says. It says they saw it. Maybe they filed in one by one quietly. We don't know how they saw it, but again, there weren't three shepherds. There could have easily been a hundred of them. It says they saw it. Well, maybe they looked through some peephole in the side of the barn. We don't know. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of details about stuff we don't need to know. Amen? All we know is they saw it. They experienced it. You can see the Christ through faith. Only He's no longer a baby in the manger. He is the risen Lord of heaven and earth. He is the one that was dead and ever lives. And as we talk about this time, we see the worship of the shepherds. I want to ask you, when is the last time you've contemplated the holiness and the greatness of God till you understood how great He was and there was true fear and respect in your heart for God. We need to do that every so often. We need to remind ourselves. We get callous with just going through uh, the things of life and we forget that we're serving the Creator God of the universe. Do you remember the day that you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save you? The moment that you put your faith and trust in Him. The moment that that fear of your sin and that fear of the holiness of God wrought within you this thing called faith and you cried out and asked for God's mercy in your life and believed on Him and asked Him to save you. Do you remember that day? Do you remember the peace that you have through the storms of life since that moment? you remember the peace of the obeying Christ and knowing that no matter what is going on, He is in control. Amen? Do you remember telling someone about Jesus and they went down that same road that you did which led to salvation? Tell you what, if you want joy in your life, you want to be jumping up and down for Jesus, go lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Help somebody get saved. Amen? That's where the joy is. Tell somebody what God has done in your life. Glorify and praise God. We, we often say we live in such complicated times. 
You know why it's so complicated today? Because people don't want simple answers. Excuse me. People do not want the answers of this book called the Bible. You get the answers from this book called the Bible and life becomes very simple, does it not? Confirm the words of this book with your actions tomorrow at work. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, it's real simple. Instead of getting angry or trying to get even, the Bible says love your enemies. The only way you can do that is you've got to go get a bucket of love from Jesus Christ and pass it out. Amen? Because it doesn't come from you. The one thing that makes our relationship with God so much different than all the other religions of the world is the word forgiveness. Amen? Because He has forgiven us. Again, if you don't mind the picture, we get a bucket of it. We can pass it out to others. Amen? That's not natural. You really want to get somebody worried about you and upset at you? Forgive them. Amen? Do good for somebody who hates you? Just listen to the words of this book called the Bible. You want some peace? And contentment during this Christmas season? Stop forgetting, just forget about all the things you want. Stop forgetting about all the people you want to impress. Follow the footsteps of the shepherds. Fear. Enough excitement and curiosity you get involved, amen? Tell somebody else. And glorify and praise God and just confirm the words of this book. Tell somebody about Jesus this week. Everybody's got a really busy schedule. So, if you'll notice, if you've read in the bulletin, they said, take Saturday off. We're not going to have anything at the church on Saturday. But pray that God will use you sometime this week. Start praying today that God will give you one person that you could drag to church with, I mean, bring to church with you next Sunday morning. Amen? You know, if we did that, we'd have more fun than we did on our sing on December 9th, wouldn't we? This place would be packed out. That's worship. That's confirming the Word of God. Find somebody and bring them with you. Amen? Instead of letting all the pressures of what everybody expects and all of your hopes and your expectations determine what you will and will not do over the next two weeks, ask God to consume you with the fear and understanding of His person. Spend some time with Him. Amen? Experience His love if you're not saved. There's no better time of the war year to get saved than today. Amen? I don't care what time of the year it is. Today is the best day. Tell somebody else 
And make sure God is the center of what you're doing. Glorify and praise Him. And that is the steps of the shepherds. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we thank you for this story of these simple shepherds. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to walk in their footsteps. Lord, of course, we cannot go to the same place as they went. We cannot see and hear. Uh, there's a part of us, Lord, that just yearns to hear that angel choir sing it. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, one day, and we believe it very soon, we'll be part of a greater choir than that of the angel singing. As we sing glory to the Lamb that was slain. Lord, we ask that you would help us to live this word called worship this week. If we have lost our fear, we pray that you would allow us to sit and contemplate the greatness and read in your book of the greatness of God and look at this creation that you have made and understand how big and immense you are, how powerful. Most of all, Lord, how holy, how pure, how separate. And yet you've reached down to touch our lives. Lord, I pray that no one sitting in this auditorium would go through with just a being content to hear about others worshiping God, but that they would join in themselves. Lord, we pray that each one of us here would be able to find someone to bring, to tell, and, Lord, that people would look at our lives and they would see praising God and confirmation of His Word. Lord, we pray that You would help us get rid of the false and phony ideas of all of these just uh, lesser things that the world wants to substitute for worship. Give us just a little dose of the real thing. Lord, that we may desire more. Before we finish this prayer, we're going to do something a little different this morning. I just want us to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to have Julia play a song that we use often for invitation. Only trust Him. That's how you worship God. Maybe you need to trust Him to fear Him. Maybe you need to trust Him as your Savior today. Maybe you need to trust Him with the strength and the courage to tell somebody else. Maybe you need to just trust Him to live for Him each day to make Him the center of all that goes on. How many would lift a hand and say, God has spoken to my heart about something He wants me to do in these next two weeks. Would you pray for me, preacher? Just slip up a hand. Say, pray for me. I, 
I want God to do something in my life. I don't want to go out of here just the way I came in. Would you just slip up a hand as a testimony? All over the auditorium, many hands going up. What I'm going to just simply ask you to do is cement that decision, that desire in your heart by just stepping forward and spending a few moments at an old-fashioned altar talking to God about that thing. Praying and asking Him to change your life this week. If you need to be saved, we have people here that would be more than happy to open this book called the Bible, take you to a private place, answer your questions. If we can't answer them all today, we'll make time during the week to answer them because getting saved is not a mystery. In fact, it's the end of all the mysteries and all the questions. We want you to understand what the Bible says and know the decision you're making is the one that God wants you to make. Just get my attention and say, Pastor, I want to be saved. We'll have somebody take you. We're not here to embarrass you in any way. We just want to help you find Jesus. As Julia begins to play, we're not going to sing the words this morning, but if you need to come, just step up and step out of your seat and Come down and spend a few moments at an altar this morning. Let's do that right now. Let's not wait. All God's people said, Amen. Just want to ask a simple question. Uh, Christmas Eve, we'll be having our service at the regular time. It will not be a regular service. It will be a Christmas Eve service at 6 o'clock. If we moved our evening service on New Year's Eve to 9 o'clock and went to midnight, how many people would 
would come to that service? Raise your hands. Let's, let's see here. Okay. Um, that's not a tremendous amount, but we're going to do it. Amen? And uh, we'll, on, Chris, on New Year's Eve, and I'm going to, in the bulletin, says I need to meet with the teens for a few moments. But uh, what we're going to do New Year's Eve is uh, we're going to have the teens run the service. How does that sound? You guys can do that. We need a piano player, and we need somebody to lead the singing, and we'll have to get somebody to be usher. And and um, can we have anybody responsible enough to be usher? Uh, <laughs> and we're going to have to find at least one person to preach. So. Um, well, none of the ladies can preach, so uh, we'll just see what we can do, all right? And we'll have some fun that night. How's that sound? Does that sound good? And, uh, of course, you can't have a meeting for three hours and not have some food, all right? So we'll do something about that. Um, you know, we Baptists, we'd starve to death if it weren't for fellowships, wouldn't it? So uh, we'll, uh, we'll have some fun there, and so we'll make that time again. Saturday... Uh, if you're accustomed to being here on visitation, take the time off, spend it with some family and friends, have some fun, relax a little bit if you can, and pray that God will give you somebody to bring with you next week. Amen? A lot of people will come to church only on Christmas and Easter. Well, Christmas Sunday is Sunday. See if you can grab somebody and drag them with you, all right? And... Uh, Jonathan Ronald Svitsky was born Tuesday, 8 pounds, 8 ounces, uh, a good little boy there. And if you want to send some cards and different things, uh, you can get the address. We'll give you the address and that. So, uh, Or you can just send them home with, Jean, uh, with uh, Julia uh, and they'll, she'll make sure mom gets them, right? Is dad doing okay? Okay. That's the one I always worry about. I mean, uh, it's a lot of work for mom and the baby, but dad goes through some stuff and nobody cares, you know. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep the family in prayer and, and that uh, little Jonathan grows up and uses his life to serve the Lord. Amen. And uh, it's a wonderful time. Read the missionary uh, letters and uh, let's have our ushers come at this time. We'll receive this morning's offering.
Amen. All right, Brother Ding, would you ask God to bless the offering? Holy Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your uh, comforting words that was uh, given to us by your uh, servant. Thank you for the protection that we have, our health, our works, and um, the lights for everyone. And um, thank you for worshiping you in spirit and in truth. May we ask your blessing for the tithes and offering that will um, give forbearance for your holy work. And um, bless each, everyone. In Jesus' name we pray and thanks everything. Amen. Amen. All right. Just want to remind those that are involved in the discipleship tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. Be here. And uh, we're going through. If you want to take a few minutes and go through some of the questions, show up about 15 minutes early and we'll take care of those things. And so let's stand together. And Brother Franz, if you'll come and lead us, let's take the name of Jesus with us as we leave this morning. And let's pray that God allows us to worship Him through this coming year. All right? Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us.